Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new episode of Stories from Space Podcast, where your host, Matthew Williams, examines the history of human spaceflight, the breakthroughs that revolutionized our understanding of the universe and our place in it, and the brave individuals who work tirelessly to advance the frontiers of our understanding. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. back to Stories from Space. I am your host, Matt Williams, and with me today is somebody very special, Joan Marie, also known as your female engineer on social media. She is a NASA spaceflight engineer and definitely something of an influencer. In fact, uh, an advocate for STEMs and women in the STEMs. Say hello to Joan Marie. Joan, how you doing? Hello. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm really excited to talk to you. Oh, thank you. Me too. And yes, this was a, well, you're obviously very busy, so this was a long time in the making, but you work for NASA, so no one will complain. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And as I'm sure I've said before, it's not like what you're doing there's more important than this, right? I mean, I I think it's (laughs) equally important, right? You have to uh, launch rockets, but then you also have to do the outreach side as well. So I would say it's equally important. Well, you have a foot in both worlds, don't you? So obviously, my first question is going to be, what what was the path that brought you to where you are today, where you are both working in space exploration, space flight, and in advocacy for this these very things? How did it all start? Yeah, it's a it's a weird story to be honest. I'm kind of all over the place. Um, I uh, when I was little, I looked up at the stars, and I've always I was a geek for space, um, you know, for all things science and engineering, and um, you know that's where my passion grew. So during Christmas, I'd ask my parents for you know a Barbie, but then also a telescope and a microscope so I can look at the science, you know, be a be a scientist when I was little. Um, but then when I was growing up, I wanted to kind of pivot a little bit within the STEM field. I wanted to become a doctor so I could help people. Um, but that dream came crashing down, um, literally, because I volunteered at an emergency room, uh, saw a whole bunch of blood and needles and passed out on the floor, hit my head. And that's when I was like, OK, well, I can't be a doctor. Um, so, you know, I, uh, I was lucky enough and I lived on the Space Coast. So I was always able to go to the Kennedy Space Center, uh, uh, watch the rockets from my backyard, um, go on field trips. So, you know, I always wanted to have a place in space, whether it was going to be a medical doctor or some form of working in the space industry. So, you know, I went to school, got my degrees in chemical engineering, chemistry, and then eventually a master's in systems engineering. Um, I first started working with the Department of Defense, specifically the Navy as a civilian engineer. I worked on Navy jets and Navy engines. So if anyone is familiar with the F-18 fighter jets, those are my baby. I worked on those jets um, since I graduated college. Um, But eventually I knew I wanted to move over to the space industry. So after about eight years in aviation, I got a lot of good experience there. I started moving over to the space industry and I first started at Blue Origin working on the New Glenn orbital rocket, um, as well as a New Shepard suborbital rocket, which we they just launched one yesterday. Um, and so, you know, from there, I uh, moved over to NASA. And now I work on scientific missions that go to space. So, you know, it was kind of a, a up and down, uh, you know, path to to NASA. 
Um, but you know, at the end of the day, I worked really hard to get to where I am. I had a lot of people in my corner in which, you know, I had professors, I had NASA engineers that I met and I networked, um, and I got advice from them. Um, you know, I applied to NASA 13 times. I got rejected those 13 times. And it wasn't until the 14th time that I got accepted and got a job. So, you know, you know, p- part of my advocacy on my personal life for advo- advocating for STEM careers and people in STEM um, is just that is I want to humanize the STEM profession, because when I think of scientists and engineers, especially ones that work at NASA, I always thought that they were you know, 4.0 students, you have to be completely brilliant to work there. And while I, we do have, you know, very brilliant individuals, not everybody had that 4.0 GPA. So I like to talk about the struggles that I had when I was in college, and even the struggles landing me to my dream job. And in order to do that, you know, I'm utilizing social media to showcase what I do, how I got there, and hopefully, being able to open the door to those that are dreaming of becoming an engineer for NASA or an engineer in aviation or anywhere in the world or any kind of industry. So that's what I try to do on social media is just being able to just talk and, um, you know, get people excited about it. Yeah. And in fact, I can attest to, uh, yeah, to Joan's, uh, robust social media profile there. I especially love the, uh, where you, Combine performance and messaging there with music and uh, to tackle a bunch of things. Uh, the first one I, I the first one I can remember seeing was it's like, oh boy, you just got your dream job, and then suddenly the music turns kind of scary, and it's like, oh dear, what if I make a mistake? And basically, how to persevere and and not let that anxiety uh, ruin you. That's yeah, exactly. First, yeah, that's the first one I recall. And of course, there's been several about just how women are perceived in in the STEM fields and how the the kind of the kind of uh, barriers, resistance that they have to deal with. And so, na- naturally, I wanted to ask: this is something that you experienced, I, I would imagine, many times over. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's it's kind of difficult, and you know, the whole social media TikTok uh, reels started in 2020. And I'm actually a very shy individual. So doing these videos are something completely different for me. Um, but I like the creative side of things of being able to incorporate real life situations and putting them in a trendy song. Um, so to grab people's attention and open that conversation. So, you know, one of the videos that I did was that um, it happened to me in real life. I was the project, the lead project engineer of a of an air refueling investigation that I was a part of. And it was the first time that we were all meeting. So, you know, there's different contractors that I worked with. They had, no one had any idea who was on the project. So I walked in as the only female in the room and a male colleague, which again, I had no idea was who anybody was because we were being introduced. And they came up to me and asked me to take notes during the meeting. And so those are small microaggressions that women have to deal with. And it's just like, why are you asking me? I mean, I know the answer, but you tell me why you're asking me. Um, So, you know, in those situations, I I told them how I dealt with this. I just said, hey, I'm going to be busy. Um, sorry, I won't be able to take notes. And I walked to the front of the room and I introduced myself as the lead engineer for the project. So, you know, there's ways to go about it, but having those open and honest conversations now um, will get women, you know, own, ready to to tackle those if they ever get those in, in their male dominated careers, but at the same time, open that conversation to male colleagues so they understand that, you know, that may not mean something to them, but for women, it's something that they deal with on a day-to-day basis. So, 
you know, in incorporating these very heavy uh, topics into a trendy video is hard. But at the same time, I love doing it because, again, you're share sharing your experiences. So when other women deal with that, they know that, oh, wow, the, you know, Joan dealt with this or Susie dealt with this. You know, I'm not the only one. So it kind of gives us a sense of camaraderie in the sense of, you know, you're not alone. And that's what I want to do with those videos is I want to have those conversations, but also have that, you know, little support that I could if it ever happens to any women in their fields. In fact, um, when you said you had uh, some really awesome people in your corner, it's like that makes all the difference, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. They're not only there to lend their expertise, but in fact, some of these people were people who dealt with the same struggles and they are like, so yes, I know firsthand what you're going through and it's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Even if I don't, that's the beauty of social media that even mm -hmm. though I've never met the person in real life, um, you know, we have this like, uh, this un undeni undeniable bond that we share because, you know, we're in the same field, we're dealing with the same circumstances. And even though I'm not there to cheer you on or help you out, I'm there spiritually, you know, through my social media, I'm there to help you in some way so that they don't feel alone. Um, I know that you mentioned imposter syndrome, I think earlier, it's the same, the same way, you know, um, it's something that both male, women, non-gender conforming, all everybody deals with imposter syndrome at some point in their lives. So, you know, even though I'm a NASA engineer, it's not that I don't deal with that. And that's what I you know, hope to do on social media is just, again, have that unwavering support from, you know, from across the aisle, from anywhere you are in the world. And that's what I love about social media and being able to connect with different people. Actually, you have me at a loss right now because I, while I don't recall saying imposter syndrome, I was, uh, that was my next question. Uh, okay, <laughs> Maybe I okay. think you said something about, uh, you know, not, not feeling like you're good enough. And so that kind of oh, yeah, yeah, the imposter yeah. syndrome. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, I absolutely wanted to bring that up because of course it's like, how pervasive is that? And yeah, I, I, I know exactly what that's like because all the time there, but, uh, um, what really helped me was hearing from people that I consider far more qualified, uh, describing experiences that were far more harrowing. And I thought, wow, <laughs> I, you know, a reminder, I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate to, to be where I am. And the fact that I will also wrestle with feelings that I don't deserve this, or I'm not good enough for this. That's normal because yes, you saying that, that, that was a shot of confidence, frankly, and Dr. <laughs> Dr. Cyan Proctor said this in, in a video once. Um, and uh, I believe you, you're familiar with Dr. Cyan Proctor. Do you love Dr. Cyan Proctor? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Have you, have you met her? Have you met her? I have. Yes, oh, I have. Yes. Well, yeah. And she, she made a video describing that. And I thought, oh my God, I'm cured. <laughs> um, but yeah, and many, and many others. I, in fact, uh, there, there were a bunch of stories I heard about this. It's amazing how many people in, in, the STEM fields and and who are so renowned and respected confess to having that problem. Anyway, um, um, no, absolutely. Get, I think. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say. I think it's just human nature because yes. you know, the, the, social media has the ups, but then it also has the downs, and the downs are really the comparison game. And that's mm -hmm. when you really start really looking at yourself, comparing yourself to people who are your peers or people that you look up to, and so you know, sometimes that imposter syndrome creeps in, in any way, shape and form. And it happens to everybody at any point in time. And so I think it's really important to talk about um, these things. Because again, you're you're humanizing, not only the STEM field, but you're just humanizing just 
the, the whole imposter syndrome in general. So everybody can feel that they are not the only ones dealing with this as on their own. So, you know, I usually mm-hmm. quote the, um, you know, my personal story of going, applying to NASA 13 times and then getting rejected mm-hmm. those 13 times. I could have quit at any point. I remember, um, you know, crying in my bed saying I'm not good enough. And so, and then going back to work, leading these projects for the Navy. So, you know, you have to put yourself in perspective, like, wow, like I am good enough, but, um, you know, it took me 14 times to really realize that, you know, no is not a personal attack on me as a person. Um, no just means not right now, not at this time. And so, you know, taking some of that advice that I'm now sharing with others is something that I would have loved to have when I was going through these, um, you know, points in my life where they were very low, where I didn't know what I wanted to do because either I failed or I stumbled. So, you know, um, being able to share that with others, like you said, is, you know, it transforms you. It it shows that, you know, people that you admire, people that are your peers, that they go through that exact same thing. You're like, wow, you know, I'm not alone. And so that's what it's the beauty of uh, social media as well. Yeah. Well, yeah, I totally know what you mean. Yes. Uh, um, The downside being there's trollish people and and yeah social media has the tendency to amplify messages right um good or bad and do you is that's actually a um another question i i was wondering about there so uh i for one have i've seen your your comment boards there and they are filled with people who just love what you do and are filled and inspired but um yeah do you also you also get your share of detractors and and uh people disrespecting you and uh, how often would you would you say they are guilty of you know mansplaining or so forth? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean it, it happens daily, and I mm-hmm. think it's just because you know so like I, we've talked about social media is great, but it's also bad. And you yeah. know the bad side is you're always going to have trolls. You're always going to have people either being like a contrarian where they're just going to disagree with you just to disagree with you to you know, get you to respond and start a conversation and start an argument. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, you have those people, but then you also have people who truly believe what they're saying. Um, I, I mean, a perfect example is today. Uh, I, you know, there was, uh, I think Elon Musk was on a pod- podcast with some guy named Kyle. I don't know some, I don't even know who this dude is, but he was, he said a really misogynistic comment about, you know, Elon Musk al- is going to allow me to smash the first woman on Mars. And so I was like, well, hold up, like, you know, you have a lot of influence, you have a lot of followers, and you're telling young men that women are just there for for your entertainment. And so Mm -hmm. in my mind, I was like, I tweeted, I was like, look, as a woman in STEM, like I am working and dedicated my dedicating my life to sending the first woman first man, the first civilization to Mars, the moon, and beyond. So, you know, I've dedicated my life and I work so hard for you to belittle that to just a subset of just, you know, male gaze is, is insane to me. And so, you know, I had someone like actually ask a question, which they truly believe that, well, this is just a joke. And so that's Uh when I had to start explaining like, well, to you, it's a joke, but ask the many women who are in these fields who listen to these jokes on a daily basis. I remember Mm -hmm. I was an intern for, you know, an aviation company, and I just had men come up to me and be like, man, if I was only 20 years younger, just comments like that, that you're just like, I can't believe I didn't say anything back then. I mean, I know I I can believe it because I was scared. I was an intern. I wanted to get a full-time job, but 
the fact that this environment is still going strong um, is something that we just need to talk about. And so that's why I tweeted about it. That's why, you know, this gentleman um, was, um, was talking to me, it's just a joke. And I was explaining, well, no, it's not. And, you know, this is why, and this is why, and kept arguing with me, telling me that it's just a joke. I should lighten up. I'm part of the woke hmm. culture. And I'm like, you don't uh -huh. understand. And that's what I'm here to let you know. Like, I'm just honestly trying to have a conversation, like, you know, put yourself in, if you have daughters, would you like your daughter to just be um, a, an object of affection for, you know, the, the male gaze or, or for men, you know, so someone who's dedicated their life to trying to be the first woman on Mars, like that is just so, you know, misogynistic and sexist. So yeah, I deal with that on a daily basis. But you know, you get to you, you you learn to tune those out. I take the time to kind of have the conversation. But for those that are known to be trolls, you know, the ones with the zero profile picture, and they're just there to start arguments and be a keyboard warrior behind their computers. I just, mm -hmm. you know, block is is such a perfect thing. Um, because why waste your time on that? But, you know, for those who are truly trying to understand, that's the ones that I want to go down that path and take the time to explain because, you know, that's one or two people that maybe at first they thought it was a joke, but they might change their mind and look at it in a different way. So, you know, you just have to pick and choose your battles. Mm -hmm. I know exactly what you mean about those profiles with the zero picks. And it's like, yep, troll farm. Sounds like someone who's just paid to or doing it for free, frankly. But there, there are or actual paid operations. Yeah, a bot. Yeah, or oh, a bot. You know, they're just like, you know, they're, yeah. they're, they're programmed to, they see this kind of word, a, a specific response comes out. So that's it. So. Mm -hmm. God, that's scary. And, oh, may I add, the uh, gentleman who would be saying, if I were just 20 years younger, um, it's like, well, A, sexist, B, ew, creepy. Right. Like, uh, I, I remember, I mean, I think this gentleman, and I'm not ageist at all, but I mean, I was mm -hmm. probably 23 when I did the my first inter in, internship, and this man was, or gentleman was about ready to retire, and like, always would make comments like that, would always like, find a way to come to my cube and like, you know, try to touch my shoulder and stuff like that. But, you know, as a young intern, I, I didn't have the confidence that I do now. And so that's mm -hmm. another reason why I love what I do on social media is that you don't have to deal with that. And there are, mm -hmm. are, are right ways to address it. But back then, I didn't have social media, I didn't really have a lot of, you know, female mentors in that space. And so, you know, I was scared, I wanted a job, everybody wants a job when they want to yeah. graduate college. So I felt that I had to take that kind of those comments in order for me to get a job there. And so, you know, that's, another way that I try to help women on social media is just like, nope, you do not have to take that at all. Like, this is what you should say. And if you're, if you'll feel confident and, you know, in a very professional way, you don't have to slap the hand. You could just, you know, tell them how uncomfortable you felt with that comment. You don't have to tattertale on anyone. Like you can have an honest conversation. And so I wish mm -hmm. I had that confidence when I was younger. Yeah, it, it is amazing really too. I mean, people do complain about woke culture, but I feel it's the same as reactions to a political correctness. It's like political correctness is about us being sensitive to each other, right? Not right. You can't say this. You can't say that. Wokeness is think about somebody beyond yourself, not you can't do this. You can't do that. Um, but frankly, right, exactly. yes, as a 44-year-old as a guy, um, I'm extremely worried that I would ever come off as being too flirty or whatever with someone because it's like yes you must be terrified 
But, Honestly, uh, like the the fact that you even bring that up makes you're you're not because the the fact you. that you're <laughs> conscious about it and you're thinking about what you say, you definitely don't won't come off that way. And I, so, yeah, I'd like to I'd like to think so, but it's yeah, it's something <laughs> I, I get paranoid about because I've seen it and yeah. it was quite frightening, and I wasn't even <laughs> on the receiving end. Now, of course, I invite you to uh, do some bragging here for us. The missions you were involved in, I certainly started following you in time to know about your involvement with the DART mission, but I've since learned that you you are contributing. You're working with Europa Clipper and Dragonfly? I am, and, yes, and, and uh, goes you. Oh, my. Okay, so let's let's tackle these one by one here. So the DART <laughs> mission, uh, that this is the Double Asteroid Redirect Test. test. Yes, thank you. So, You're welcome. Yeah. Tell us all about that and uh, how you helped make it happen. Yeah, that's a, a super cool mission that launched November of last year around my birthday, around Thanksgiving, which is fantastic. Um, so the intent of that is our team uh, launched a spacecraft, like you mentioned, double asteroid redirection test. And the intent of that spacecraft is to collide with a, an asteroid, which is about about to collide, actually, September 26. So it was about 10 months away. And so what we're trying to test is planetary defense. And so the intent of the mission is to crash into the asteroid and redirect its current orbit. Um, you don't normally disclaimer, I usually have to say it's far enough away that if it fails or it's successful, it will not impact us at all. It's not headed our way. That is why we chose that system. Um, and so it's a really cool mission just because, you know, we've seen movies like Armageddon and Don't Look Up on Netflix and each one ends with an asteroid headed our way. I'm not going to tell the spoiler for each one, but you know, that's a, a real issue. And so, you know, there's uh, different things that are out of space, you know, we, we tag asteroids and comets and meters, but you know, there's obviously some that we may miss. Um, so, you know, we're, we want to make sure that we have some kind of defense if there's ever one headed our way. So, as I mentioned, we launched it last year. Um, I'm the I was the integration engineer. And so what that is, is I help put the spacecraft on top of the rocket. So we placed it on something that we called the payload adapter. And that payload adapter is what integrates it into the fairing, which is the very top of the rocket that opens up when it gets to orbit. And then that payload adapter ejects that spacecraft once it gets to its orbital trajectory, once it gets to a point where it has to. There's pyros that are on this adapter. It fires, and then the spacecraft is then headed into space towards where uh, the direction, in this case, it's the asteroids. And so, um, you know, my, my team tests uh, the payload adapter to make sure that it separates correctly. We ensure that, you know, there's so many different things that go against rockets, gravity, dynamic environments. There's so many things. Um, we test to make sure that the payload, which is the spacecraft, survives the launch. And so, the best way that I can describe it is, you know, if you're on, on a roller coaster, you know, I love roller coasters. I'm in Orlando. When you sit on the roller coaster, you want to make sure that you are still in that seat when you get to the end of the roller coaster. And so those are all of the different forces that we're making sure we want to make sure that that spacecraft stays intact. And so, um, you know, we test, we calculate, um, we're at mission control during launch day, we're monitoring the systems, we're making sure that that spacecraft survives. And so, yeah, it's really neat. I love that mission. Um, I'm actually headed up to the Applied Physics Lab, which are the people who built the spacecraft on September. And we're going to have a quote unquote, I don't know if I can say this, like a crash gathering. Um, so we're going to be there when 
there's a CubeSat that deploys prior to it crashing into the spacecraft, and that's going to be collecting video and photographs. And so obviously, it's going to take some time to get to the APL uh, facility, but we're going to be able to watch it, quote unquote, real time together as a team, because, you know, we helped launch it. And now we're going to see it crash into the asteroid. (laughs) And that's, I mean, I can only imagine, right? To see a mission you worked on launch, exciting. To see yeah. it do its thing, oh, that's it yeah, it's blows like my mind. Overland. Yeah, 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 yeah. And well, speaking of that, so that yes, that is an uh, an asteroid defense or an Earth defense uh, mission. There, I uh, encourage everyone everyone to look it up. And it's like we're developing these things because our early warning systems, though they are getting better and better, right? Yeah. One of these days, a potentially hazardous asteroid may just get close enough that we're like, oh, we can't say for certain it's not going to hit us. And right. Yeah. Be nice to have some countermeasures. Um, Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah. And if you can hit it in advance out in space, that's that's great. Change its trajectory. And now we don't have to send Bruce Willis up there with his team of um, misfits to put a nuclear bomb in there. So that, that's plan yeah. B, but we just yeah. need to make sure that plan A works. Thank God. Yes. And <laughs> why they didn't just train the astronauts to run the drill. That, that never, never <laughs> made sense, did it? So, yeah. Okay. So now as for the other uh, missions previously mentioned, now these, these are astrobiology missions, aren't they? Europa Clipper and Dragonfly. Yeah, these are are pretty exciting. They haven't launched yet. Um, The Europa Clipper, we contracted already SpaceX, so that's uh, out in the open. Uh, So we're currently working with SpaceX. It's going to launch on a Falcon Heavy in 2024. And I'm super excited about that one because Europa, as most of you know, is a moon of Jupiter. And uh, we discovered that there's an icy world behind the layer of uh, Europa. And so we're sending a probe out there to collect data for us to investigate this, you know, icy world beneath uh, Europa. And we're trying to see if it's, it could have conditions enough to host life. And so, you know, this one's a really, really cool mission that we're right now in the process of, you know, doing the calculations, we need to look at flight trajectories, we need to look at so many different factors. And so we're, we're about two years away, but the work starts very early. And I'm really excited about that mission. And in terms of what it's going to do, so yeah, it'll orbit Europa, it'll scan the surface, it will look for signs, essentially, that uh, that there might be organic material being spewed up. That's correct, yes? Right, and so, um, like you mentioned, we're just going to orbit, and we're going to do flybys, like very close flybys. Um, again, we're just trying to see and investigate the the liquid water beneath. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're just trying to see if the evidence that we think is there of the ocean of liquid behind that icy core is is true so yeah that Mm -hmm. one is a a really neat mission and i'm working with the jet propulsion lab they're the ones that are building the spacecraft i believe applied physics lab are also building some component of it as well so yeah we're we're working with them and then also spacex because they're the ones who are going to give us the ride but yeah i'm really excited about this one and as for dragonfly uh it's got what four rotors it's got landing struts it's it's yeah it's like a helicopter and in appearance, it's it does look a bit like a dragonfly, right? It's uh, and it's it does. That's that's yeah. why it was named exactly that. That's why yeah. it was named dragonfly. Yeah, and behaves as such because, of course, yes, it can fly and it can land. Uh, 
a light on, on things and that. Now, that mission is particularly ambitious, isn't it? Because it's got like a nuclear reactor. It's mm-hmm. going to be able to take samples from the surface, from the lakes, from the air, and just run for years. Uh, what yes. is that launch? That one, um, we, we still haven't even um, awarded a, a, a rocket yet. So mm. that one is looking to launch in 2026 and arrive um, in Titan in 2034. Yes. Bit of a wait there, but that's 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 what you get when it's you're going be, to the outer solar system. Yes, that's what you get when you have these really cool planetary missions. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I I can't wait to to hear the results back from either of them, quite frankly. Now, more recently, and you're gonna have to remind me of the name again, my 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 slipshod mind here. You were selected for uh, an astronaut mission. For the I uh, was selected, yeah, for the first commercial astronaut training program for uplift aerospace and the subset of the program is called space plus and so um, it was an nft based competition where they bought one seat on a blue origin flight and and it was kind of easy to apply really you know i'm a math person and so when i saw there was only about two thousand of these nfts and guessing that maybe 80 percent of people will apply to become this astronaut I was like, my odds are amazing. So I bought this NFT. I applied through an essay. I did a video response as well, talking about myself, talking about like what I want to do. And so they picked five finalists. And um, from then, the competition kind of shifted a little bit. So they loved all of us so much that the community couldn't even pick one person just because they were just like, you all are all fantastic. And so Uplift Aerospace decided to kind of shift a little bit and decided to take all of us. And now we're all training to become uh, the first commercial astronaut program for Uplift Aerospace. So we're going to be doing zero G training, analog astronaut, space flight training. And eventually we're all training for a future space flight. And so I can't tell you more about the back end of that, but I just know that there's a lot of stuff that's exciting that I cannot wait till I can announce it. Oh, yeah. Well, things are in uh, motion and also a lot hasn't been decided yet, too. So and then there's certain there's always those issues of you can't announce anything until all the lawyers clear it there. But um, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, there is. However, there is information uh, through Uplift Aerospace. And I'm actually looking at their website right now. And there you are. And a bunch of people who I don't know yet, but I'm sure I'm sure I'll be happy to meet them someday. Or talk to them someday, <laughs> I should say. I, I right. don't meet these. I don't meet these people often. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Well, that promises to be a, a very, very cool thing. And and so you'll be going up on on a new Shepard flight when this is all said and done. That that I believe is uh, public domain knowledge. Correct. And so we're all training to do a future space flight. Um, mm-hmm. The company will be announcing it once we get close. Um, But for now, we're just working very close with Uplift Aerospace and we're helping them. You know, the really cool thing is they're working with us. We're working with them and we are putting together a training plan. So it includes uh, the Zero-G flight with the Zero-G company. I believe we're we're doing a space kind program with Loretta Whiteside, who was the co-founder of Yuri's Night. So like there's just so many really cool things down the pipeline and, you know, sponsorships we're going to do. You know, we're, we're creating this entire program and it's going to be, a, there's going to be three pillars to it. There's going to be science and research. There's going to be art because we 
all of us wholeheartedly believe in STEAM, which is uh, adding that art into STEM and also the philanthropic portion of the pillar. And so right now we have picked a organization that we are going to be trying to raise money towards that organization, kind of like what Inspiration4 did with um, St. Jude's. And so Mm -hmm. once this specific organization is said and launched to the public, I mean, it just... It, it, I, I'm so excited for this organization because it aligns so well with what we are trying to do, which is open space for everyone. And this specific organization um, is ju- is doing just that. And so I personally can't wait until we announce it. It's going to be such an amazing partnership and their ambassadors are going to be training with us. And there's just so many really cool things that are coming up. And oh man, I'm hoping, I'm hoping mm-hmm. they start announcing some of this soon because I can't keep this to myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh God. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Inspiration4 because that's that's the thing, isn't it? It's like uh, we've got all these people who are eminently qualified. Obviously, there's astronaut training needs to needs to happen beforehand for you know safety and whatnot. But yeah, they're civilians, and then they become commercial astronauts. And it's like I can't imagine how how awesome that must feel to to become one of those because it's like from where I'm standing. The, the very fact that commercial astronauts are becoming a thing and in greater and greater numbers is very exciting. And Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, I love this era that we're living in. And I think mm-hmm. that, you know, the point of being able to open space for everyone, because I wanted, I want to become an NASA astronaut, but I know that the odds are really small. I'm going against, you know, people who are, are, are fighter jet pilots are, you know, doctors and, uh, and medical doctors and PhDs. And so, you know, I, I know that the competition is very fierce. And so being able to go a different route to allow people to experience that overview effect, to be able to look at how, how tiny, you know, talking, going back to what we were talking about earlier is, you know, the trolls and the arguments and um, the imposter syndrome, like how tiny that must feel once you are up in space, because we're just little dots on this planet, you know, we need to be humans towards each other. We need to be nice. We need to be kind. And so being able to kind of take a step back and just really put yourself in just, you know, just looking at our beautiful planet where everyone is down there. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter your religion. It doesn't matter your sex. It doesn't matter anything because we're just humans at the end of the day. And so being able to open that up and so other people can experience that. I'm just so glad that we live in this era. Yes. And oh, I'm Glad you said the overview effect too. I kind of think there ought to be like a game. And anytime somebody says it, <laughs> demonstrating yeah. that it's uh, demonstrating that, you know, it's, it's catching on in such a, well, a, a drinking game seems a little crass, but uh, <laughs> eh, well, you know, something like that. <laughs> yeah. Take, take a shot of uh, Gatorade. I don't know. Or, or your, your choice of drink. <laughs> or, or Tang. That seems appropriate. <laughs> tang. Yes. Yeah. Or, or Sunny D if we're going to bring yeah. it back to the old days. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Well, that sounds absolutely wonderful. Now, of course, I have to ask about right now, you've been in very serious work mode, hence why it's hard to schedule this talk. But yeah, right now, it's all about getting the SLS out and trying to get this ready for launch. Yes, our team is working around the clock. You know, I, I personally don't work on the Artemis program, but our uh, launch services program provides support for the communications for telemetry, you know, collecting that data once it gets to where it's supposed to go. And so we're there for day of launch support, we're there for rollout, we're there for so many different aspects of that of that mission. And it's really exciting, because 
it kind of opens up the we're going back to the moon. And, you know, for me as a space nerd, I wasn't there when we launched Apollo or the Saturn V. And I wasn't there when we landed on the moon. But now I'm going to be in this new era of landing on the moon. And we're sending the first woman to the moon as well. So being able to have a successful Artemis One launch, which is the SLS, is just super exciting for me because, again, it's just opening up a new era of exploration and hopefully getting more people excited about just going back to the moon, about building gateway, building, you know, hopefully a moon presence, and then from there piggybacking and starting to go to Mars. So I'm I'm just super excited being able to be a part of it at all. And like you said, I'm I'm really sorry for the scheduling. Um, oh, this hey, is what happens. Know. This is what happens when you work uh, launch stuff or just, you know, rockets in general is just you you work kind of like a doctor. I joke that I passed out at the medical, you know, at the ER room um, when I wanted to become a doctor. But now I'm working around the clock on call as sort of a, a engineer on, on at NASA. So I'm sort of having that schedule. I don't know. But yeah, I'm so excited to be able to, to see that launch. It's going to be amazing. Oh, God. Yeah. And. I've been I've been testing out this uh, slogan for a while, and pretty sure I got it from somewhere. But it's one of those things. It's like, where did I hear that? Where did this quote come from? The slogan for Artemis: We're going back to the moon, and this time we intend to stay. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that. I, I'm but, hoping that's the case. <laughs> yes, I know. I, I mean, yeah, there's there's been a lot of uh, a bit of uncertainty in the last few years, hasn't there? Or at least that was my impression, just based on the shakeups and whatnot so yeah it just yeah. kind of sucks it, it kind of sucks when the i don't know if you watch the show for all mankind i love that show oh. on apple tv and so it's... that is sort of an alternative universe where you know russia beats us to the moon so they're the first ones to get to the moon but that's sort of like the first episode then you have three seasons of just you know having this alternative universe where NASA has full funding and never gets shut down. So like anybody who watches the show, it's really cool because we have a presence on the moon. I believe this third season we're headed to Mars. I haven't watched the full season, but it would have been really cool to be able to get the funding and never shut down. But even though, you know, NASA is beholden to politics and just changing administrations with like 0.3, 0.4% of the overall budget, we've been able to go to Mars, we're going to Titan, we're going, you know, Voyagers in interstellar space right now. Um, we have GPS on our phones, we have satellites, satellite TV, um, like all this amazing stuff with a fraction of the budget. So it, it would have been really cool to be able to see what NASA could have done if, you know, we didn't have to get shut down, deal with budgetary stuff. But the the quote is, I'm hoping that's that's what happens is I hope that we stay there. This era is a little bit different than you know, past ones, because now we have commercial industry, you know, we have SpaceX, we have Blue Origin, we have Relativity, we have all of these amazing companies that I think are keeping um, the budget for NASA, because we have to work with these companies. So I'm hoping that that quote is real, that it, we're there to stay. And I think private industry is helping with that. And frankly, let's get to Mars from there. That's what's supposed to be happening. And oh, I'm yeah. Hoping. Yeah, in fact, it would be really, really nice to see the exploration and yeah, commercialization too. Obviously, with the right to with the outer space treaty at the core of it all, you know, rather than a wild west free for all. Yeah, so that the commercialization follows, and oh, can you imagine lunar tourism? <laughs> ah, I know. Yeah. I'm. Um, I mean, just just thinking about the. I think Blue Origin has Orbital Reef, and you have Sierra Space. Mm -hmm. um, they just announced that they're going to be announcing 
their astronaut corps, like qualifications for them so they can go on Dream Chaser. And so, you know, that is just super exciting, especially for nerds like me who want to go to space and, you know, stay there. I'll be a I'll be a plumber. I'll be a welder. I will be whatever they want. Because, I mean, to be honest, I think plumbing, uh, being a plumber would be more difficult job than like an engineer because of just the mechanics of it all. Um, oh, so yeah. I just, I will do anything to be able <laughs> to live in space for, for like a week or two weeks or a month. I don't care. I'll, I'll be up there for as long as you want me to. I totally hear that. Yeah. And make sure the space station is rotating or not. I don't care. <laughs> I, <laughs> right. I'll, I'll, cu- I'll come back after, you know, a few weeks instead of staying up there for years. But if it's rotating, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. That, that would be hard to say goodbye to. Oh yep, yeah. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. Well, tell you something, Joan, thank you so much for coming on. And, oh, I would like to close things. I'd say if you could, you have been very good at messaging, right, the younger generation, the next generation of of people aspiring for the STEMs, not just young girls, but everyone. If you could give them any words of advice right now, what would they be? Honestly, my favorite quote is, failure is not the opposite of success. It is part of every success story. So everybody stumbles, everybody fails at one point and they get stepped back, but it's how you pick yourself back up and how you learn from that experience and how you keep on persevering is how you will end up where you want to end up. So that is my favorite quote that I love to tell everybody because failure is just a way for you to learn and grow. So that's what I would say. Keep on going. Don't ever think that you're not good enough because you are and just keep on persevering. Wow. Okay. I hope someone recorded that. Uh, <laughs> I, I couldn't repeat it verbatim, but I, I definitely got, uh, yeah. And of course, I've been wanting to say, as someone who went through the application process 14 times to NASA, never give up is not just the old cliche. This, I, this is coming from someone who really, truly understands that. <laughs> so when they talk, kids, you listen. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on, and you know, I hope to have you back. I, I would love to talk more about uh, the Artemis One mission when, knock on wood, it successfully launches. But, uh, Absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, I, I can't that too. That is going to be such an amazing event. Are you excited? I am so excited. So, thank you for tuning in. I'm Matt Williams. This has been Stories from Space. Tune in next time. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Stories from Space podcast with Matthew Williams. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSPmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.